everybody. Welcome to the October edition of The Shepherd's Voice, and we're happy to have you here. Uh, and of course, as he is every month uh, hosting the program, I want to introduce to you and welcome the Bishop of Trenton, David M. O'Connell. Bishop, welcome. Thanks, Jim and Cheryl. Hello, everybody. Good to be with you today. You, do you mind? I'm gonna, I'm, I think I can take this mask off. Absolutely. We're six feet apart. Yeah, feet we're all apart. six That's feet right. apart. So. But uh, what a world, huh? Mm. We never <laughs> thought it would come to this. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, to, to, we begin, yesterday we began the month of October, and October is, as we know, the traditionally celebrated month of Our Lady of the Rosary, of the Rosary, mm-hmm. and a good opportunity. As I've tra- been trying to encourage the faithful, the clergy, the religious, the faithful diocese to uh, to really make the rosary a part of their daily lives. It's a beautiful, beautiful, wonderful prayer. You know, the, the scholarship that's been done, it kind of traces back the origins, the development of the rosary to the, to the Middle Ages, to what they call the High Middle Ages, to 14, 1500. And the month of October is dedicated to the Most Holy Rosary because that's the month in which the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary is celebrated on October 7th. And really, the, the, this, this tradition of honoring Mary for the whole month, but especially on the feast day on October 7th, um, is really an opportunity for us to express our gratitude to our Blessed Mother for the protection she gives us, for her intercession, for all she does for us in the Church. The feast itself, Our Lady of the Rosary, was celebrated, established by Pope Pius V. And uh, I think it was around the year 1571. And really it was an an opportunity to ask her protection and intercession uh, when there was great struggle. I think it was the Battle of Lepanto. I think that was the... uh, And the original title was Our Lady of Victory. That was the original title for this feast. And uh, Pope Pius indicated that uh, this Battle of Lepanto, which occurred on October 7th in 1571, that the, the battle was won more by the arms of the rosary than it was by any other military means, you know. The rosary itself, uh, as we know it, we all know it, I don't have to explain what it is, uh, but actually the origin of the rosary uh, goes back to the Desert Fathers, mm-hmm. The true origin, or the most fundamental origin of it, when the Desert Fathers would pray, and we see these even still, people in in the East and the Middle East using beads for mm-hmm. prayers, right. and mm-hmm. uh, the the monks, the Desert Fathers, used knotted ropes, mm-hmm. and they used those ropes uh, and, and those knots to commemorate the Psalms, the 150 Psalms in the Psalter, and uh, they would finger their knots, finger those beads, and, and say their prayers and their spiritual uh, inter- uh, requests and so on. Um, and that's really kind of what we look to. Of course, we know the tradition that we have is that uh, the rosary was given by the Blessed Mother herself to St. Dominic, uh, and, uh, and it was presented to him as a tool against the heresies of his day. And with the passing of time, the rosary became more formalized and more organized. And uh, it was, again, Pius V, Pope Pius V, who gave the rosary its form, the basic form that we use to the present day. Of course, as you know, we have uh, the three decades, or the three um, sets of mysteries, the joyful mysteries, the sorrowful mysteries, which 
are prayed today. I prayed the Sorrowful Mysteries uh, this morning and the Glorious Mysteries. And Pope uh, Pope John Paul II, Pope St. John Paul II, added another set of mysteries, the Luminous Mysteries. You know, the the way I look at the rosary, and I must tell you, you know, this this is a prayer I've been saying daily for since I was in seventh grade. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I attribute it to the sister servants of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, who were, I, you know, as you know, I was born and raised in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and I went to Catholic school there, Our Lady of Grace in Pendel. And the sisters, I don't know whether you remember these IHMs, we call them, the long the blue, Mighty Max. The, lo- the Mighty Max, <laughs> the long blue line. Right. It's mm-hmm. go by many names. Wonderful, wonderful uh, congregation of religious consecrated women. But they wore a long blue habit with mm-hmm. a, uh, a black veil and a white wimple, starched wimple. And, but they always had a long rosary on their side. Mm-hmm. And uh, we prayed the rosary together in Catholic school, learned the rosary, learned the mysteries. Mm-hmm. And it's just a habit that stayed with me. I think a good habit. Mm-hmm. And it's one certainly that I encourage people to, to pray, to embrace, and to pray every day. You, you know, I, I've kind of... Uh, periodically will make a a push for the rosary. And I did this after the pandemic, just asking people to pray for our country, to pray for our church, to pray for our diocese, to pray for one another, mm-hmm. and to use this powerful prayer. It's really looking at the life of Christ through the eyes of Mary. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what this prayer is. And so I just want to encourage all the faithful in this, in this great month of October to consider the beautiful prayer that is the rosary, and use it as a means to draw closer to our Lord uh, through His Mother, mm-hmm. through His Mother Mary. So I wanted to I wanted just to mention that today and encourage people to do that. You know, on October seventh, uh, the U.S. Conference of Bishops uh, has uh, requested that bishops and priests and religious and the lay faithful of the Church pray the Rosary together. Uh, on October 7th, uh, on the East Coast, at 3 in the afternoon. Okay. Mm. And uh, they are going to broadcast that on uh, on their websites, on their YouTube channel. The Bishops' Conference has mm-hmm. a YouTube channel and, and a Facebook page. I never thought I'd be saying that about the Conference <laughs> of Bishops, but they're certainly up to speed yeah, on technology. Right. <clears throat> and we'll have it also in the diocese, and I probably you might even have it here in the Radio, I'm not sure. What I'll pick point. it up. Sure, we yeah. can pick that up. It's yeah. October 7th uh-huh. at 3 o'clock. At 3 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Sure. And uh, the, the Conference of Bishop has selected, I think, bishops from each part of the country to lead the mysteries, the mm-hmm. rosary, so we're all represented. But it's a it's a prayer, prayer that will unite us mm-hmm. uh, to pray for our nation. So it's going to be from the Bishop's Conference website or locally with the Ye- diocese? Well, it's going to be on both. On both, I mean, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll make sure that it's uh, it's broadcast and available okay. on our diocese. Okay, so we'll diocese. pick it up at 3 o'clock. Yeah, we'll broadcast yeah, it. Sure. You, can, okay. you can check it out mm-hmm. there. Uh, in addition to the month of, of <laughs> the month of the Rosary, October is also Respect Life Month. Mm-hmm. And this is, uh, of course... How can you confine respect life to one month? It's uh, mm-hmm. it's all it's every day, all day, all, all time. You know, mm-hmm. to to respect month. And they, we begin this weekend, uh, October third and fourth, with Respect Life Sunday. This is something established by again the Conference of Bishops to uh, to honor and and uh, promote respect for life in all its stages from. 
conception through natural death. And it's a good opportunity. It's really an opportunity for us to, all of us, to kind of check our consciences and, and, uh, and to reaffirm our commitment to life. You know, St. John says in his gospel, you know, I've come that you may have life mm-hmm. and have it to the full. And, you know, I've been in this business for a while. Mm. And I'll tell you, reflecting on my 65 plus years of life here on this earth, you know, it strikes me that all of the problems, all of the problems that assault us in this world derive from a single root cause, and that is the failure to respect life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that really is, if I'm, whether, whether you're talking about abortion, right. euthanasia, capital punishment, acts of terror and war, escalating crime that we're seeing uh, every day all around us, violence, and the wanton killing of innocence. You know, watching the news, eight-year-old girl with her mother mm-hmm. shot. For what reason? Right. All of these killings that we see every single day Domestic and sexual abuse, it's a life issue, I think, as well. Gang crimes, mm-hmm. drugs, poverty, inequality, you name it. Discrimination, racism, uh, the breakdown of the family, mm-hmm. you know, and the disregard for the environment. These are all life issues. And we in this country, because of our particular circumstances with Roe v. Wade in 1973, we focus on abortion and lift that up as a critical issue. You know, the bishops... Uh, this year said in their letter, uh, uh, faithful citizenship, forming conscience, consciences for faithful citizenship, uh, that abortion is the, the threat of abortion is the preeminent issue that, uh, that we face in today. And I'm convinced of that as well. So I just want to mention at the beginning of, uh, of, uh, of this month of October, uh, that it's important for us all to join together as Catholics, as Christians, really whatever religion we have, uh, or, or no religion for that matter, mm. uh, to promote and foster respect for life in all its stages. This is a beautiful occasion and a beautiful opportunity to support a very important cause, the mm-hmm. pro-life cause. Mm-hmm. And as we know, the pro-life cause is not just the pro-birth cause, it's the pro-life cause and the whole of life. I think a great misconception, Bishop, is um, when people hear that phrase, that coined phrase, pro-life, they immediately think, oh, it's the Catholics and it's the abortion issue. But as you describe, it's so much broader. We can't affect, you know, we can't remember, uh, we can't forget all these other issues. And that it's not just Catholics, it's Christians, it's people of maybe no faith or even the Jewish faith, that they respect life from birth sure. to end of life. And, you, you know, it's, it's not to minimize the terrible scourge of abortion by including all those other things or mm-hmm. mentioning all those other things. Because, you know, when you look at it, if you don't have respect, Mother Teresa said this, right. you know, if you don't have respect for life at conception in its most basic and vulnerable stages— how can you expect to have life, respect for life in any other? Right. Along the journey with all the other yeah, ages and absolutely. all the other situations. Yeah. Absolutely. But, uh, you, you know, I, I hear from people uh, a great deal, as you know. <laughs> uh, no, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in my role as bishops. And, you know, it saddens me because I'll get letters from people who will say, how come you never support life? Mm. How come our priests, I never hear a homily uh, um, in, for pro-life, mm. a pro-life homily. 
Well, I don't know how many churches they're going and hearing homilies, but I know for a fact that our priests are very, very much behind the pro-life movement sure. mm-hmm. and very concerned about abortion and these other issues and that they do preach it. And when I say to myself, they say, well, they never hear me speak about it. And I say, oh, my goodness. How many times on this radio station right. in the last 10 years <laughs> right. have Absolutely. I mentioned it? That's how many true. articles have I yeah. written? How many homilies mm-hmm. have I written mm-hmm. about this? Make no mistake about it. We are a pro-life church and a pro-life diocese and a mm-hmm. pro-life people. And this month gives us the opportunity to shout that out mm-hmm. as loud as we can and to encourage others to, to embrace the same cause. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's... That's something I wanted. You know, here in New Jersey, of course, we we feel this frustration keenly because of uh, so much um, talk of pro-choice uh, under different rubrics or different titles, you know, mm-hmm. reproductive rights right. or women's right to choose or women's mm-hmm. right over their, right. their body. Uh, and, uh, you know, to me, those are clever disguises for what's at stake here. Mm-hmm. And that is, I'm going to do what I want. My life is the only life that's important, and I don't care about the rest. Right, mm-hmm. and uh, that's just that's that's bad. Yeah, that's not the way we were created. Mm-hmm. It's not the spirit that God gave us. And of course, as we know from August of last year, uh, death with dignity. Right. You know, if ever there was a misnomer of something, that's it. And the Congregation for Doctrine of Faith this summer, June twenty fifth, wrote a letter, issued a letter uh, restating the church's position position on euthanasia and assisted suicide and and made it pretty clear that the the church considers this an intrinsically evil act Mm -hmm. and however you want to paint it or uh, you know cover it over you take the cover off this is what it is it's Mm -hmm. a gravely sinful act you know in saying that as the bishop as the official teacher of the diocese you know i have no hesitation to do that Mm -hmm. But I think people have to realize we who are official teachers or teachers in the church, pastors, guides in the church, we come from families too. Right. We've experienced the death of our loved ones, the sure. suffering of our loved ones as well. I stood by my father's bedside and my mother's bedside mm-hmm. uh, as, they, as they took their last breaths. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wouldn't have had it any other way than to place them in the hands of God who created them. Mm-hmm. And as hard as it was to watch it, I knew that God would be there with his love and his mercy and take them home. And that's that's really the way we have to think about this. Anyway, this is uh, Respect Life Month, mm-hmm. so, so just do it as do the commercial so uh, speaking of this, we, of course, we can never get far away from COVID. No, no. You know, and, in some uh, year. Oh, I'm telling you, 2020 will go down in history, won't it? That's right, and uh, it ain't over yet. It'll <laughs> go down in history for a lot of things, but certainly this was the most disruptive uh, experience that we had. You know, the other day I was uh, I was at home because uh, that's where COVID makes you stay. <laughs> that's right. But I was at home, and I, I was going through. I, I kept a little diary uh-huh. of uh, of what transpired in our, just in our diocese mm-hmm. here within New Jersey over the months. And the diary I noticed it, it is dated March thirteenth. Okay. And that was the day after the last confirmation celebration, public confirmation mm-hmm. celebration that I was able to uh, to do, and uh, went up to the present moment, and I had five single-spaced pages 
for every single thing that we've done in the in these months, you know, mm-hmm. to try to give the best guidance, to p- try to provide people with with uh, a re- consciousness raising about this terrible, right. terrible disease, and and it's still raging. You know, you here in New Jersey, we just heard last week, you know. This rate of transmission that goes up and down and up and down, it's back up again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's spiking in other parts of the country. I mean, we even heard the president, the president and his right. wife, and yeah. his wife mm-hmm. are COVID positive, and we pray for them, you know, and and for all of those who are suffering with it. During the during, in that diary, I saw many instances when I went to different churches to say masses mm-hmm. to pray for the first responders, the medical professionals, right. but of course for the people who are sick. Right. And we had a beautiful memorial mass for those who have died, not only from COVID, but died during this mm-hmm. time. You know, COVID makes no distinction of persons. Right. It can hit and it can hit anyone. And those of us like myself who are uh, older, you know, over 65, who have pre-existing conditions or high-risk conditions, mm-hmm. you know, as, as people know, I make no secret about it. I've I've been dealing with diabetes for most of my adult life and its consequences. And there are other uh, things, health issues that I have to face and and many of us have to face, Mm -hmm. uh, not the least of which I could afford to lose a few pounds. (laughs) (laughs) Don't Uh, we all? (laughs) But, uh, you know, this is a a tough, tough time and it continues. You know, in the United States alone, 7.5 million cases Mm -hmm. recorded. Uh, 213,000 deaths from this one disease. Jersey, we have 210,000 cases and uh, and 16,000, more than 16,000 deaths, you know. Mm-hmm. So for the hoaxers out there or the deniers out there, what are you going to say to their families? Mm-hmm. They've died from this disease. Right. And this disease is rampant and virulent and still on the march. And so we're trying to do our best, those of us who have particular responsibilities for people, Mm -hmm. groups of people, communities of people, to try to keep people uh, healthy and safe. But it's not just the physical side of this, and the physical side is bad enough. But, you know, this time of quarantine and and isolation, and I don't think we can call it anything else, uh, has had uh, a tremendous psychological impact on people. We hear uh, of the the rise in, in drug abuse and mm. alcoholism and uh, depression and anxiety oh, yes. and all of those things mm. that that are uh, with people, you know, the economic effects. Of course, we can't deny they're with us every day. Of course, we right. hear about it mm-hmm. in the news all the time with the, in this political season. But it's also had some spiritual effects. You know, people don't realize. And I'm talking to some pastors the other day. And they said, you know, Father, our parishioners act like we want to do these things. We want to impose these protocols. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the last thing we want. Right. But we have to do it for the common good and for the sake of the faithful. So cooperate with the protocols. Mm-hmm. Don't give, uh, especially, of course, I'm dealing with the church here, don't give your pastors uh, or your Catholic schools a hard time. You know, follow the protocols. They're meant to to, to, to safeguard and protect us. Mm-hmm. They're not meant to be penalties or impositions. The mask, you know, and of course, you know what the, what's the strange thing is, I don't know how you think, every time you turn on the news or you go online or you read in the uh, newspaper about this, 
you get a hundred different points of view of what right. you should do, what you shouldn't right. do, what's right, what's wrong. Mm-hmm. Is it ending? Is it continuing? Is it going to come back a second wave? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know what to believe. And these are coming from the people that we regard back as the experts. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say, you know, err on the side of caution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wear the mask. Right. Mm-hmm. Wash the hands. Keep the social distance. Be careful uh, as much as you can be. Observe the protocols that are offered. And in this season, October, of course, this is the flu season. We're beginning the flu season. (laughs) That's right. Get the flu shot. You know, I took it as soon as it was available. I was at the doctor's in August, and the doctor said, oh, do you want a flu shot? I said, oh, do you have it? He said, yeah, I just got them in today. Mm-hmm. So I took the flu shot. Of course, I took the old man flu shot. You know, it's a little more, <laughs> it's a little stronger than the usual uh-huh. one. But uh, uh-huh. what's important for us to be conscious of our health, you know, a sound mind and a sound body with a sound soul. That's mm-hmm. the that's the trifecta mm-hmm. for us as mm-hmm. Christians and as mm-hmm. Catholics. You know, the COVID, we're talking about the effects of it. And as you know, the uh, the CARES Act, uh, HEROES Act, it's called, there are two different... Uh, names for the efforts uh, on the part of our government to reach out to people at this tough time. You know, they, there was uh, uh, the Hero the Heroes Act uh, provided money for for our schools, and we here in New Jersey we were able to uh, advocate and to receive that funding for our Catholic schools, our non-public schools. Um, now a, a, a bill is before the House of Representatives that includes uh, $225 billion for education, including $162 billion for K-12 school. However, this bill that is before Congress provides no equitable services for students in our Catholic schools or in our mm. public schools. It's a disgrace. Yeah. Um, and it prohibits any funds from being used to provide fan- financial assistance to non-public school children. Mm. Wow. You wonder why people say that there's that anti-Catholicism oh, is right. rampant and anti-religion right. mm-hmm. is rampant in our country today. This has the effect of excluding virtually any aid to students, to p- families, parents, and teachers in our non-public schools. Mm. This pandemic has affected everyone. That's right. Whatever their religion or lack of religion, mm-hmm. whatever the stage or state in light of, whatever their social class, whatever their race. Uh, or place of national orange. It's affected everybody, including those who are enrolled or work in Catholic and non-public schools. It's unconscionable, Mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned, to make to to this blatant discrimination that we see at work. I heard from from, uh, uh, Congressman Chris Smith uh, last night. He had sent me an email telling me about this situation Mm -hmm. and and how... uh, how negative the, the the feeling is in Washington with regard to uh, our non-public schools, for our, in our case, our Catholic schools, mm-hmm. and that he was going to vote against this discriminatory mm-hmm. uh, bill. It's blatant discrimination? It is discrimination. We talk about that all the time in a, in a lot of circumstances and situations. But and they're not even hiding behind some sort of facade. It's just right there in black and white. Yeah. And they're not even trying to cover it up mm-hmm. or smooth over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, the Bishop's Conference, which is in many ways a lobbying arm mm-hmm. of the church, is located there, the headquarters is located in Washington, certainly supports the robust education for all students, but do not want our Catholic schools and our non-public schools 
uh, to be ignored. I mean, they, those families have been as hard hit as hard as mm-hmm. anybody else. Right. Now, so, is this part of the stimulus package that's still before them, or it's, it's something the, different? It's the Heroes Act. Okay. It's, a, it's a further okay. And and even here here in New Jersey, you know, money money was doled out to our schools, and we gratefully accepted it, accepted it, and used it. We needed it, uh, and now the, the there's uh, measures before our New Jersey State Legislature to try to recoup those funds from the non-public schools. Mm. Mm. Those monies have already been spent. So it's state money they gave, and they want 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 it back? back. Now they want to take it back from those uh, who are non-public schools. And and, uh, the counsel for the governor uh, called me last night on the phone because I had written to uh, the governor's assistant to ask ask her to give this message to the governor, uh, whom I talk to so often, but, you know, he's... He's got so many millions of things that he's dealing with, but uh, uh, I was surprised. He, the, the, the memo that I sent got through to the governor. The governor asked his chief counsel to give me a call and mm. to say, the governor is not in support of taking this money back. Mm. Okay. So I was happy to hear it. But, you know, both on the national level and on the state and even the regional level, politics is a, it's a, tough, uh, mm. it's a tough force to, right. to deal with. So we hope and pray that we're not going to have to face uh, an effort to recoup these funds, recover these funds. Well, it'll take a lot of bake sales. Well, but it, was, it wasn't given as a loan, right? It was, it was a grant. Was just like, like a grant, right? Yeah. You're just giving yeah. the money. So. It shouldn't be non-public. Well, shouldn't be non-public schools. Oh, my. Catholic schools. They gave it to you. It's yours. Yeah. Done deal. <laughs> oh, I know. Mm. Well, it's like the, P- the PPF. Right. You know? Mm. Uh, you know, we encouraged our parishes to... to uh, to try to have payroll protection because mm-hmm. we have many sure. employees. The chancery alone, we have 92 employees. Yeah. Uh, and so we all tried to apply. I think all but 18 parishes in the diocese of our 100 parishes or so uh, made applications and received funding. But then right away you have the the uh, people talking about, well, you know, they shouldn't have gotten it. Why did they get it? And blah, 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 Mm -hmm. non-profit. And, you know, religious. We're not supporting Mm -hmm. religion and all of this. Mm, But, you know, we're all people too. That's it. (laughs) And not exclusive from all the effects from COVID. No, that's true. Mm -hmm. So we're... uh, what else you have to talk about, O'Connell? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just letting you run there, Bishop. You You're doing are. Great. I'm, just, I'm, I'm you waiting know. for you to get no, jump I, in no, here. No, no, I, don't, I, I didn't want to interrupt. I saw your papers there. Okay, yeah. there's a whole there's a whole laundry list maybe that you want to go down. Well, you know, and... I tried the night before the show. I tried to go through uh, and think of you know the most important things that I can think of, uh, just to say a few words about. You know, not that my words are that important, but just to. Just to talk about it, make us some little. Well, it's imp- you know, it's, it's it's important for the people to hear from leadership in whatever area of life, but especially in the church these days, where I think people are, they're still obviously they wish things were back the way mm-hmm. they had been. We know they can't sure. be right now, and they want that type of reassurance that yeah. you know that the church is here for them, their parish. I know, like we get, we're starting even to get announcements now of of things going on, like Father Jeff. Over Middletown is having rosary, but all oh, drive and all very, you. you know, rosary rallies and healing messes. But that all wonderful parish. He does such a great job mm-hmm. there. He and the priest there, yeah. Father, Father Osborne, right? yeah, Father Rich Osborne, and mm-hmm. uh, and there's a Dominican priest there. Speaking of Saint Dominic, a Dominican priest okay. there who was 
is a wonderful priest, and uh, and happening other places. I'm just saying we get you know. Well, yeah, I mean, right. and as just I do one too. Example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, many parishes do these things. That's they, right. They don't seek any kind of recognition, and mm-hmm. they focus on their parish communities and still shepherding their people. And I'm that's, telling that's you, important. I am so proud of our pastors and our priests and those who staff our parishes, uh, religious in some mm-hmm. cases, but most often uh, the faithful, the lay faithful, who have really stepped up and and and. Uh, engage in a common effort to mm-hmm. deal with so many things. You know, this COVID is one thing, but there's a lot of other things that uh, that we're facing as well. You know, we have uh, this week and, you know, this, this month, well, I think I mentioned it the last time, the Pope is celebrating the fifth anniversary of his encyclical uh, Laudato Si on mm-hmm. the care of a common home. Mm-hmm. You know? And, you know, as you know, we all know the Pope, this is one of his main issues, you know, the, the care of the stewardship for the environment and all of this. And so they've been selling that in Rome in different ways, the Vatican. And this weekend, uh, our, our Holy Father will be in Assisi mm. in Italy. You've been there, you're smiling, mm-hmm. you know what it's like mm-hmm. to yeah, Assisi. Beautiful. I've been there too, beautiful. We were just talking about peaceful. staying there more than just I staying know. in Assisi. So I tell you, it's a beautiful very place. Very peaceful place. But on the Feast of St. Mm-hmm. Francis, which is... Uh, October 4th, mm-hmm. and certainly we extend best wishes and a happy feast day to all our Franciscans in the diocese. The Pope will, will issue an encyclical, and the focus of the encyclical is going to be on the theme of human fraternity. It's very appropriate, mm-hmm. given what we've been through, all of us, throughout, and it's not just the U.S., but throughout the world, uh, recognizing each other as sisters and brothers and the importance of uh, of this kind of recognition, this kind of care for one another in the contemporary world, as hopefully we all pray for peace, we all try to seek harmony in the common good, and this solidarity between individuals and communities and nations. Uh, the name of the encyclical, however, you know, you can't just do something in the Catholic Church. No matter what you do, you're going to get a, a brouhaha. Mm-hmm. And the, the Pope, using... The very words of St. Francis entitled the encyclical Fratelli Tutti. Mm-hmm. And everybody's saying, oh, yeah, but he's excluding 50% of the world. <laughs> he's not including women. It's just the brothers. Right. It's brothers. just the priests. Oh, yeah. You know. By the way, your Italian was very good. Oh, yeah? For an Irishman, yeah. But. Oh, well, you know how it is. <laughs> you know how it is. I think, I think it's all the pasta I There you go. <laughs> but, you know. I mean, that's, it's a silly waste of time that is distracting from the point of the Pope's encyclical. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a time, of course, in our history of our lifetime, you know, where any mention of male or female, you know, raised issues, you know, and that seemed to have been dying down. Mm-hmm. But now this has been reintroduced. Read the encyclical. Right. Read its content. Wasn't that holding up the catechism even when it came out 25 oh, years yeah. ago? Not only the catechism, but a lot of documents, yeah, you know. Yeah. Even, even the revision of the scriptures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Should we have this so-called inclusive language or not? Mm. You know, uh, people say that it hurts them and that, that they feel neglected or, or uh, not included, you know. Well, here, I, ask a woman. She I, I, I just can't. I can't. I'm not insulted. Well, you know, in I the, can't relate to it. Right. I just can't. Mm-hmm. And it's not just because I'm a man. It's right. just uh, ideologically or philosophically or theologically. Mm-hmm. It, to me, I just can't see it. 
But in the early language, like biblical language and early centuries, when you would say mankind, you didn't mean just the men of the world. Mankind was all of humanity. It's understood. It's a given. Sure, it is understood. Men and women, or even brotherhood. Um, or, or sisterhood. I, I mean, you just you don't really need to differentiate. You know, it's all inclusive of everyone, sure, sure. except those who always have their own agenda and have to pick things apart. Like, just get over it. I call them gotcha Catholics. <laughs> gotcha, I gotcha. You did something here. I can complain there about. Or, right. Well, I, I, uh, I hear from many of them in the course of my average day. <laughs> gotcha sure. Catholics. I'm sure. Well, anyway, we look forward to that in Sikokal. I had a thought, you know, I'm going to go, go back as because I, too, at the beginning of this uh, pandemic, started my own little diary. You know, this was oh, the last yeah. day we babysat the children. Oh, yeah, And this yeah. is the day that, you know, I was laid off and I, I couldn't be at church in Holy Week. But what was it that initially, you know, we had this two-week or 15 days you think, oh, I'm not going to start a diary for 15 days. What was the foresight? What planted that on our heart? That I'm going to keep track, almost as if somewhere we knew it's going to be longer than 15 days. And I'm still keeping like a list. And even as far as things we did around the house, like look at what I accomplished, <laughs> knowing that this is going to be more than 15 mm-hmm. days. You know? Yeah, I think that uh, in my own case, you know, this is not something unusual because I do simply because of the world in which we live, the times in which we live, and the types of things you have to encounter, you know, I do keep uh, records of many things. Mm. Uh, people come to see me, uh, judging by the nature of their conversation, and I usually try not to see people alone. I almost always try to have someone else mm, yeah. in the room. Yeah. These days. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, it's it's sad that it's come to that, but right. it has come to that. And, yeah. and you, you have to, I not only have to protect myself, which is the least important thing, but I have to protect the diocese that I both represent and the diocese that I administer and have been entrusted with anyway. Uh, knowing that, mm. when this pandemic started, I had the same sense. I said, you know, this isn't going away. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and listening to people as uh, things started unfolding throughout the whole of the country and here in New Jersey, I just thought it was important just for me to keep track Mm-hmm. So that I could have some the news of his passing, his father mm-hmm. Vincent Coppola, who was a priest of the Congregation of the Holy Cross, a Holy Cross father, oh, okay. mm-hmm. and he came to us a couple of years ago. Uh, actually, came to Tom's River, mm-hmm. where his mother lived, and his mother is, um, you know, older older woman, of course. And he came to take care of her, mm-hmm. and then he developed. Uh, Crohn's disease and uh, some other things. Mm-hmm. She ended up taking care of him. Mm-hmm. Oh my. So in these these days that have been difficult, I've been praying so sure. much for him, and I'm sure that call is is not good news. Mm-hmm. Oh. So we pray for Father Vincent Coppola and his family. Uh, this coming October seventh, I will go down to Philadelphia, the, the promised land, <laughs> as a Philadelphian, a former Philadelphian, I guess. Uh, to St. Charles Seminary to uh, to celebrate Mass for our for all the seminarians who are studying there, including our uh, diocesan seminarians, and, and also the Vincentians, the community mm-hmm. along. They send their seminarians there. So mm-hmm. I'll celebrate Mass for them on the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary, and then we'll, uh, we'll join them for what's called the Rector's Dinner. The Rector, Bishop Senior, hosts a dinner, and then uh, 
a special dinner in which uh, all the seminaries gather and I'm able to join with them. I usually sit with our own fellows and uh, I have a good opportunity to be with them. Confirmations are up and running in the diocese mm-hmm. and we begin uh, on October the 9th. At, I begin on October the 9th at St. David's Parish in West Windsor mm-hmm. with two confirmations. And we had to accommodate, as we did with First Communions and right. everything else in the parishes and the diocese, uh, the protocols that we need, the social distancing. Right. But, you know, churches are only of a set size. And, you know, everybody wants to bring their families and their, mm. their, their relatives and friends. And you just can't accommodate them. So what we've right. had to do, we're a parish where it might have only been one confirmation ceremony, as now two or three because of the size, mm-hmm. uh, and the pastors have been very good. So that starts up soon. But you know how technology, in in a beautiful way, can lend itself to um, enhance the confirmations if they are have the capability of live streaming. We recently had our confirmation, which was a makeup confirmation from last spring. Yeah. So, um, you know, those students finally got to be confirmed. And again, instead of one, we split it into two. The parents and the sponsors could be there. We have a large church, but then they live streamed it. And if you've ever seen, I'm sure you have, as they're watching the the mass or the ceremony, that comments start popping up. And there was one woman, she goes, I'm writing and watching from Greece, and I'm getting to see that's my nephew being confirmed. Isn't that beautiful? And under ordinary circumstances, she would not have flown over. She couldn't see it. And the people, they're they're not going to videotape or anything. But here you have attendees from around the country, around the world, being able to witness the family and the and the confirmation yeah. or first communion. I think it's going to be a, one of the fruits of this is that we've you, the use of technology to have a broader reach mm-hmm. to the people, you know, yeah. is, is going to be. A, and a, we've a, all had to, you know, of course, my work in universities, uh, you know, I kind of had to jump on some of this technology, um, kind of forced into it when I was working in the different universities, but uh, it's paid off at a time like this where you have some little sense of how to use it. But what it's done, and I've heard this from many of our pastors, uh, it's forced them to learn how to use technology and now to see what a great, <laughs> right. what a potential uh, tool it is yeah. for, for evangelization. Absolutely. And, as you as you folks here know yeah. it so, so well, you know. So uh, we start the confirmation, and of course, again, the gotcha Catholics— uh, you know, we we had policies and pre- procedures set for safety, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they complained that uh, using a Q-tip or cotton ball is not a valid way of giving confirmation, you know. And, of course, the Holy See had already defined that and said that, of course, that using an instrument is acceptable and is valid. There's mm-hmm. no question there. But mm-hmm. you still have people, even after that, <laughs> still questioning the validity the church. The official church, the institutional church, the Holy See are the ones who define the parameters in which we operate, both in terms of giving the sacraments. We don't change the the matter of the sacrament. We don't change the form of the sacrament. But the, the discipline and, and the liturgy and the ritual are things that, that have adapted historically through the ages, mm-hmm. as we know. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I, I just—you almost just— you get exasperated I'm after one. Sure. Say, oh, what more are people? <laughs> I think it's because they have too much time on their hands. Right. That could be part right. of it. But if anybody doubts the validity of this, the church has already cleared that up and mm-hmm. cleared it up very, very mm-hmm. carefully. Anyway, October 15th, 
We have our Catholic Schools Mass. It was scheduled last year, and of course, like everything else, it's going to be done in a different way. It's going mm-hmm. to be done uh, online, and uh, the the Mass is going to be uh, uh, the location of the Mass is St. Anne's. Of course, we can't have a, a congregation. You know, usually every year it's a great day. We bring all buses of kids mm-hmm. in from the schools, and they bring their banners, and their teachers mm-hmm. come, and it's a beautiful day, which we celebrate Catholic education in the diocese. Well, we can't go that route this year, so we're taking another route, mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully all of the schools, the administrators, and the teachers will uh, turn on the uh, mm. turn on the YouTube and mm-hmm. uh, and watch our Catholic Schools Mass. It's a great feast of St. Teresa of Avila, mm-hmm. St. Teresa uh, of Jesus. Mm-hmm. October 15th is another important date in the diocese, too. We celebrate the 125th anniversary of the Society of the Divine Word. Hmm. That's a religious, so it's the largest missionary order in the world. And they have been very present in the Diocese of Trenton for 125 years. And they currently, uh, the Society of the Divine Word, we call it SVD, Side of the Divine Word, the SVDs, are at uh, three of our parishes, St. Anne and Browns Mills, uh, two SVD priests there mm-hmm. in Burlington County. Um, uh, the newly created or newly merged, it's a merger of several parishes, Our Lady of Guadalupe in Lakewood, uh, beautiful, uh, beautiful Lakewood, and... and uh, there are, uh, I think, four or five SVD priests there, and uh, uh, we we also have the SVDs in Asbury Park mm-hmm. and uh, Mother Mercy Parish, which is again a merger of several mm-hmm. parishes down there, and we have uh, three SVD priests there. So the SVDs are important. You know, they they had established themselves here. In New Jersey, they, when they first arrived, it's a German-Dutch order established in in in, uh, in Europe. And when the first missionaries came, first missionary came, arrived 125 years ago. He arrived in Hoboken. <laughs> That's where it started. That's and, where my uh, father started too. That's, there you go. <laughs> Born in Hoboken. <laughs> SVD. Now, what is their charism? Their what special it, charism is for? is. Uh, is promoting the Word of God, oh, okay. SV Society of the Divine Word, promoting the Word of God and preaching and missions and things like that, mm. but also of caring for the poor. Mm. And in our con- in our country, historically, have been really very strong advocates and a very strong presence in African-American communities in Mississippi and other parts of, uh, uh, of the U.S. And here in Trenton, uh, you know, in, in the 40s, uh, mm-hmm. uh, after they... Uh, Started, started up, uh, you know, can purchase that property over in Bordentown. Mm-hmm. Used to be the estate of Joseph Bonaparte, the brother of Napoleon Bonaparte, oh, I didn't know who that. was in, <laughs> was exiled and came here. And uh, the SVDs eventually, with the help of the Diocese of Trenton, uh, was able to get that land, and it became a residence for priests, uh, for SVD priests, uh, some of whom served in the diocese, both in Trenton, uh, what had uh, Our Lady of the Divine Shepherd, which eventually became Blessed Sacrament Parish, mm-hmm. which unfortunately was closed this year, but they worked there, and they also worked in Asbury Park, mm-hmm. St. Peter Claver Parish, mm-hmm. which then 
closed and was merged with other parishes. So their presence has been very strong in the diocese. So I, I'm so happy that uh, that they're here. You know, having having the ability to have religious join uh, join a diocese is becoming more and more difficult as the numbers mm. go down. But as our numbers go down in the diocese, we become more and more dependent on the help of others. So we congratulate all the SVDs and their predecessors and thank them for the great service in the church. Did you hear about this uh, this national novena for our country? Have you heard about this? Yes. yes. Again, a, 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 uh, an initiative of the Bishop's Conference um, in, um, in Washington, located in Washington. And so there will be uh, a novena that's being promoted within the within the dioceses and archdioceses of our country, and as bishop of this diocese, I'm going to encourage people, the clergy, the consecrated religious, the lay faithful, uh, to join with me in praying this novena for the United States of America, mm. for our country as it's passing through and continuing in troubled wa- troubled times, mm-hmm. troubled waters, mm-hmm. to pray for, for, for our country from Monday, October 26th through November 3rd, which is Election Day, of course, mm-hmm. right. in the U.S. And uh, more information is going to become available uh, in the next week or two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I haven't had the chance to send a notification about this out to our parishes, to our pastors, but we're just going to foster this. going to be mm-hmm. people privately pray, mm-hmm. pray mm-hmm. this novena for our country. There's a prayer. I put a prayer there, which I cobbled together from other places and other prayers, a prayer, a novena prayer for the United States, and then simply the Our Father, the Hail Mary, and the Glory Be. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to set up with the guidance of the bishops, uh, kind of using their their outline, an intention for each day mm-hmm. from November from October 26th through November mm-hmm. the 3rd. And hopefully, again, it's just, it's the church together trying to pray and right. praying for an important cause, praying for our country. Absolutely. And, and, yeah. and also for our church in, in this country. Yeah. It, well, it's unifying, you know, it's um, a way to come together. If there's anything formalized, you know, as far as... Well, I'll give record- you the, I'll, I'll send you the prayer. and you know, I mean, if you want to record it and we can play it. Too. Yeah, could do that. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a thought. I don't think you could yeah. plug that in. I mean, it yeah. doesn't take. You're that a long. smart guy, Jim. I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll call yeah. Well, I kid why you get paid the big bucks, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah, that's what I always say. <laughs> that's right. That's what they pay me for. That's and right. of course, uh, national, uh, all the nation's eyes are on the election coming yes. up on November third. But uh, no, that's in November, so I can leave. Well, what, uh, I can leave. <laughs> but you know, we, we, we have about five minutes left, or a little more than that. But um, you talked about the anti-Catholicism, the bigotry in the country, and I think that's becoming even more focused now with the nomination of Judge Amy Coney Barrett. Yeah, it seems to be. Yeah, um, and we're gonna, probably going to see a lot more of that. When, yeah, the, when, so. the, when the hearings begin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that one comment that was made a few years ago by, by Senator Feinstein, uh, that the dogma lives, lives loudly, loudly within you. Was that, was that the quote? Yes. I'm seeing T-shirts now with that. People are putting, yeah. uh, saying, well, shouldn't shouldn't it be? Shouldn't well, of course, <laughs> she's, she's using it as a negative. But I, I think it's a great, Isn't that right? it's a badge of honor, you know, that people can, can see and hear in right. us. Our Catholic faith. Right. You're commitment. a witness. And, you're and a disciple. That's and you're right. Not Absolutely. Hide it. Whatever job you have. That's you know, right. And, uh, this is who I am. The uh, the bishops' conference again. 
Uh, and we're seeing in all these initiatives kind of the role of the Bishops' Conference mm-hmm. for the country at large uh, to give us guidance, direction, suggestions, recommendations, which then we implement mm-hmm. on the local level in our dioceses throughout the country. Uh, and I think that's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. You know, the church lives locally. Mm-hmm. You know, the the uh, you know we speak of the Vatican, the Holy See. Of course, we love that. We respect that. We know what that means. But where where the rubber meets the road is in the mm-hmm. in the diocese, and even more specifically in your local parish. Right. You know, and that's where you you encounter your faith, you deepen your faith, and you grow in your faith. But the bishops provide every four years uh, a an update. Of, of a, a document uh, uh, forming consciences for faithful citizenship. Mm-hmm. And that the title of the document really says what our role is as bishops and, and certainly the priests and the other Catholic leaders, uh, lay leaders who have particular positions of responsibility in dealing with the faithful in, uh, in official capacities. You know, our job is to form consciences. Right. And what do we use to form consciences? The scripture and the teachings of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, our job is not to tell people who to vote for or who to vote against. That's not what we do. It's not what we're supposed to do. Uh, I have to tell you, you, you know, I get, I get at least once a day a letter uh, from someone calling me a coward or worse because I'm not endorsing a particular candidate for president mm-hmm. or not speaking out mm-hmm. against another candidate, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it. If that's your expectation, you're going to be disappointed. That's not my role. Mm-hmm. You know, I have many pulpits to speak from, both the pulpit in church, but also here mm-hmm. on the radio and right. certainly through our publications, through my mm-hmm. homilies, through mm-hmm. the things that I write. You know, my job is to to help people to form their consciences. That's the, the role of the bishop as the official teacher, the role as the priest as his principal collaborator in the parishes, and that's what we do. Here are the issues. Here's the church's teaching. Here's the moral position of the church. Right. Use that to inform your consciences mm-hmm. and make your, make own, it, your right. own decision. Yeah. That's right. Uh, whatever. But people, again, the gotcha Catholics, oh, yeah. they love to uh, yeah. They love to do. But, I, you, you know, people don't realize, you know, there's a human being on the other end of the letters, the phone mm-hmm. calls, the emails. Yeah. And they don't take any consideration, you know, that uh, people, I have an opinion. Right. And I have a right to that opinion. Right. But I don't have a right nor an obligation to get up in a pulpit and tell you what it is right. and tell you you have to follow it. And right. impose that opinion and on that's, other people. That's simply, that's simply the way it is. Right. And so uh, uh, the main thing that's is— That's the way know, it should be. I mean, participation, honestly, yeah. participation in our country and in the political life of mm-hmm. our country, the public square as we call it, is, is really an obligation that we all share and we all have. Mm-hmm. The key thing here is to vote. Get out and vote. With a well-formed Catholic conscience. With a well-formed Catholic conscience (laughs) and let your conscience speak to you and inform the decisions that you make. Mm -hmm. Don't depend on Papa Bear to tell you what to do all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. Because this Papa Bear is not going to do it. I'm not going to tell people. You have to do your reading. You have to do your research. And, you know, we live in an information age. It's not like this stuff is hidden from people. Then, geez, I don't know what the church teaches on abortion. I don't know what the church teaches. You know, I bet there are atheists who can tell you what the church teaches on abortion. (laughs) Absolutely. The teaching is out there. And, you you know, the obligation is on you to learn the teaching of the church Mm -hmm. and for us to present that teaching of the church. And that's what we do. That's the relationship that we have. Right. Teacher to student, pastor 
to people. But I think, Bishop, sometimes people try to, in their own mind, try to rationalize their decision based on what they really want as opposed to what they should do. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Justify. And they justify mm-hmm. it it's that way. It's a justification, yeah. but it's mm-hmm. a justification without justification. Mm-hmm. It's not the way it is. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's what we've been saying here all along. That's I mean, that's why it's good to have something like this available 24-7 because... Again, we're not here to tell you who to vote for or who not sure. to vote for. We just want to make sure that you are encountering Christ and you are understanding mm-hmm. his teaching uh, that has been revealed to the church and the church has taught faithfully for 2,000 years. That's yeah. And then f- let that form your conscience and make the decision that's proper. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, you know, people will say, well, you know, why aren't you speaking up more about so-and-so? Not my job not to role. do that. And, <laughs> and unfortunately, there are some bishops and there are some priests who have made a name for themselves mm-hmm. in recent months by... Doing other than what we're supposed to do, and that's by by embracing or endorsing a candidate or condemning a candidate. That's not what we do. No, no. No. We don't need to do that. As you just spoke at the beginning of the program, listen to to what what Bishop said regarding church teaching and all the life issues and where the church speaks on those issues. And then let that form your conscience and let Absolutely. that help you make your decision if, if you are not sure. I mean, that's yeah. it's important. And look at, the, look at the issues in the platforms of the candidates and the parties. That's what an adult faith is. Mm-hmm. It's a responsible uh, person who is, understands and, and seeks to understand even more deeply the teachings mm-hmm. of the church and let them, uh, you know, live loudly in our lives, mm-hmm. as they say. Well, that's the way it should go. Well, we have about uh, 30 seconds, Bishop, so... Maybe give us your blessing for the for sure. the month. I'm praying for you. I ask you to join me in prayer and all the different things that we have outlined, especially the Holy Rosary. Pray that. Pray that. Make that part of your daily life. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come upon you and remain with you forever and ever. Amen. 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 Thanks, Bishop. See you next month. Thank okay. You. God bless you. You too. <laughs>